0: You take your seats. I invite you to turn in God's your copy of God's Holy and Inspired Word to First Peter, First Peter chapter three, where we will be looking at verses eight through twelve. I've already mentioned once um, the role that Psalm thirty-four is playing with regards to the way Peter perceives um, the ethics of the Christian life. And he does so uh, by combining, not just, uh, not just looking at Psalm 34 on its own, but he combines it with the gospel indicatives of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 has, already, has also been alluded to already uh, in 1 Peter, and especially when we look at the passages that we saw for our assurance of pardon in 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 3, um, these, are, these are gospel indicatives um, where Peter is showing the suffering Savior of Isaiah 53 being the basis of the confidence of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in the way then that that hope expresses itself in the way we live out who we are in, in Christ um, as those who embody and who express the suffering Savior uh, in a way that fits the ethical Um, uh, living the good life as um, it is expressed in Psalm 34. So these two texts are really, really central uh, for a lot of what Peter's doing. He also is using other Old Testament texts. It's a wonderful letter to to study um, if you're a a theology nerd like I am um, because he is building everything from the Old Testament but the Old Testament as it is rightly understood through the completed work of Jesus Christ. So it's, a fa- it's a fascinating, not just what he is saying to us, but the way that he is making his case to us. This morning, he is combining uh, these concepts of the struggle that we have um, as uh, sojourners and exiles who are called to embrace and embody the hope of Jesus Christ Uh, the hope of the resurrection in a hostile world that's been our theme throughout first Peter Uh, he takes he's taking these ideas uh, and really really now getting personal now you may have thought so far it sounded like he was getting personal what do you mean voluntarily submit yourself to the government what do you mean voluntarily submit yourself to your boss even if he's a jerk what do you mean Women, voluntarily submit yourselves to your husbands, especially if he's an unbelieving husband. What do you mean, Peter, that I have to not use my strength as a man and a husband for myself, but I have to use it for others? Well, now he really gets personal. He gets into character um, that is to be shaping the, the congregation as a whole for the way that not only do we uh, interact with ourselves within the body of Christ, but especially how we interact with those who are outside the walls of our church. So now he's not dealing with just specific parts of what we have been calling the household codes, how you live with government, how you live with your employer, how you live within the home. Now he is saying, okay, now what do we do with now what do we do with everybody? All right, what do we do with everyone? And by implication, we have to start with ourselves. So let's hear the word of God this morning. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, so that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for even difficult words, because we know that what makes them difficult is not the content, but the way that we already intuitively sense things that need to be corrected within ourselves. And so help us this morning, Lord, to trust your words as our compassionate Heavenly Father, as the one who is tender toward us, as the one whose eyes and ears are toward us in order to help us And to, as we talked about even last week, to bring us to share in the eternal exaltation of Jesus Christ, which has drawn us into the eternal joy and celebration and fellowship and love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, speak to us and help us to listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, whether you are in a seminary class, and you can ask Mike about this, you might be, uh, have you had a, s- a class on preaching yet? Yes, sir. Oh, well, all right. Well, you can ask Mike. Or who else has been in the seminary? I know we have a couple. All right, so if you've had a class in seminary about preaching, when they tell you about the introduction, what are they, what, you know, one of the big things they tell you is you, you need to find that hook, that thing in the introduction that grabs the attention of those who are there so that they will care to actually listen to what it is you're about to say. And there are different ways of doing this hook. One uh, is, you know, tell a funny joke. You know, get people laughing, get them a little bit comfortable before you make them uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) But there are different things that you use to give the hook. Um, And I looked for something along those lines this week because... Not that I wanted you to feel a little bit more comfortable before becoming uncomfortable. Um, But because I've been uncomfortable. This has been a difficult couple of weeks. Well, really, a a difficult many weeks because of different challenges uh, with health and different things, but more importantly, the way that I don't respond to those things very well and become difficult. I'm glad that less things that I can be fun to talk to. I think I can, but I can also be very difficult. I can be very challenging. I can be very argumentative. I'm analytical by nature. I'm a problem solver. I like to disconnect myself from a conversation so that I look at it um, as an analyst or as a therapist. I don't like to engage in them personally, but, and because of that, not but, but because, when something is personal, a lot of times I respond like the old linebacker and my, my shoulders rear up, the hair on my back stands up, and no, I'm not saying there's a lot there, so don't, <laughs> don't, don't focus on the image. But I can respond pretty poorly sometimes, even when I'm doing my best not to. It is interesting the way so often that God has things designed in his timing and schedule for you, especially as a minister, to be forced to preach things that you know that you are not living up to very well. Last week we got to talk about husbands. Husbands dealing with uh, their wives and all the women in their family. With gentleness? using strength for their benefit, not for one's own, showing honor, imparting the honor that Christ himself has already imparted, and now the use of the tongue, not responding to reviling with reviling, but responding to reviling or difficult words with a blessing. The call of the Christian life, as we have been talking about here in 1 Peter, is that we are called to embody Christ, the suffering Christ, the Christ who was eternal and had all strength and used that for others the Christ who willingly gave up the glory he was due for a time in order to be humbled as a servant and in that service even to the point of death, allowing himself to voluntarily be maligned, allowing himself voluntarily to be arrested, mocked, beaten, He did this because this was the way that he and the Father and the Spirit before they ever created had decided that they were going to work together in one mind in showing compassion for a sinful people in order to draw them into the love that God has for them and why he was creating them to begin with even while knowing that they would rebel and hate him. We don't know why this is his plan. We don't know why that he didn't decide to deal with rebels from the first um, hint of rebellion with strength and with conquering and with decimation. We don't know. Instead, what we know is he came, and he gave them a promise. And that promise was that in the midst of being bruised, the seed of the woman would provide a blessing. And one of the ways that this works out for us as God's people is that because we are manifesting Christ in a hostile world that does not appreciate him, We are going to receive bruising. I'm sure if I talk to every single one of you in here, you have already received bruising. But how do we respond to that bruising? Well, the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ, in entrusting himself to his Father, Endured bruising in order to be able to bless. And that blessing has led us to enjoy, as we have said within here, this new identity, this new family connection. It has led us to receive justification that God counts us as righteous, even though we know we're not. That we have received adoption into his family, that we have been made the children of God with all the full rights and privileges that come with that new, that new identity, that we um, are being sanctified, that God is graciously working within us to reform us and reshape us according to the image of Christ. He has given us this privilege of being his temple presence here on earth in order that we might be the embodiment of the kingdom of God to those who need to see that kingdom. He has given us all these wonderful things as blessings that have come from his bruising. And he tells us that within this process, we will now be bruised. And so how do we respond to our bruising? We respond with blessing. Notice here in the text, not to repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. Why? Why? Or first, what? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to bless. Why? Well, because this is what you're called to. When he says this is what you're called to, he's not saying, hey, you know, just get out there and do the right thing. What he's saying is, all that I've said up to this point about who you are, who Christ has been for you, who Christ is in you, and who Christ is through you, in light of all this stuff. The calling and the privilege that you now have is to manifest this to people who need to see it, people who need to hear it. But notice what he says. You've been blessed, so here's how you live out your blessing, even when you receive bruising. Why? That you may obtain a blessing. Now, commentators all over the map here about what does this mean. Does he mean something heavenly? Does he mean something earthly? We know for a fact he is not talking about salvation. Right? There is nothing beyond receiving the hope of Christ being born again as a participant in his resurrection. There's nothing beyond that. Right? It's just details about what does all that mean. But there's nothing beyond receiving all that belongs to Christ because Christ has it all. There's nothing beyond what Christ has. So he's certainly not meaning salvation here. He's not saying, hey, if you do well uh, with using your speech to people, uh, that you can get on your, your way into heaven. No, that's not what he's saying. And he is certainly not saying, if you don't do well with the way you talk to people, that you will lose heaven. He is certainly not saying that. You cannot lose the hope of Christ. Remember what he say: It's guarded for you. You are guarded for it. All right? So all this is being protected by the work of Christ, not only in what he did to accomplish these things, but in the work of Christ and what he is doing to secure these things. What he's talking about here, what I believe, is is just simply this idea that he gets into by citing Psalm 34, which Psalm 34 is uh, here, this section of it. um, He is asking, hey, who among you, right? Is anyone here? listening right now, that wants to experience the good life. Does anybody here not want to experience the good life? Does anyone here not want to enjoy life? Does anyone here not want to experience goodness? Does anyone here not want to experience peace? Does anyone here not want to have these blessings that God gives to his people that are heavenly blessings that are experienced here on earth that aren't salvific, but they are blessing? They are a participation and a sharing, a tasting of God's goodness. Where does that line come from? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. And that comes just before this section. Do you want the good life? Do you want to be the one who is tasting of the goodness of God in this life? Notice what he says here. Watch your mouth. James tells us, why do we need to watch our mouth? Is it only because of the problem of speech? No, because he says it's a, it, is, it, is, it is a world of unrighteousness. Now, the problem there isn't the actual tongue. It's not the lips. It's what Jesus says. It's that whatever comes out of your mouth is what is already in your heart. You're just expressing what's there. The tongue expresses the sin that is already there. And so learning, as, P, as uh, James talks about, as the psalmist is talking about, as Peter is encouraging us, learning to tame the tongue brings with it, by necessity, working on our hearts. Learning to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and open up our hearts and our wills to that to allow the gospel to reform and reshape Those those things within our heart that will lead us to express them with words. And the reason this is so important is none of us are going to experience the good life in the way that we want until Christ returns. And that is because sin remains in this world. That is because sin remains in the people with whom you 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 come into contact. Sin remains within your The the condemnation for sin Has been taken care of by Christ And the power of sin Has been broken For those who are in Christ But the presence of sin Is still here And it is part of everything That you do Everything that you think You feel You say And the reality is, you're going to have difficult things said to you. They're going to be mean. They might be true, but they still may be mean. They may be not true. They may be inaccurate. They may be based on slander. They may be based on rumor, right? There's all kinds of things that can lead to you having to hear difficult things. But what about when the things that you are hearing that are difficult from people are simply because you have identified with Jesus Christ? How do we respond in those situations? He tells us, manifest the Christ, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who like a sheep going to slaughter, did not open his mouth. I love opening my mouth. Not just to eat. I love engaging. And there's a reason for that. And there's, it's the same reason that you like to open your mouths. And that is because God has designed us in such a way that there is a biochemical reaction that takes place within our bodies and within our brains that when we are starting to feel challenged when we feel like we're being pushed into the corner and we've t- and and you n- you know about the idea of you start to go into either fight or flight mode well in addition to the fight-or-flight mode that's going on where you have all these chemicals and hormones going through your body that are leading you to go one way or another, the actual act of saying something back to somebody when they've challenged you, the actual action of not just thinking something like, you're a jerk, but saying it, right? It releases dopamine in the brain which is a pleasure chemical. God designed us in this way because before the fall, when we would say things in praise and in adoration to God for who he was, he had designed us in such a way that we would experience pleasure and joy from doing that. And you and I do experience that joy and pleasure even now when we worship. And when that that song catches you, and and when the words of the song and the tune of the song come together in a way that both theologically and aesthetically you are tasting and seeing that God is good, you feel that, and it's powerful, and, and it's good, and it's joyful, and it's exciting. God's designed us for this. Because he wants us to taste and see that he is good. He doesn't say, hey, taste and see, (laughs) ha ha, surprise, I'm broccoli. Now, if you like broccoli, that's just part of the fall. Right? He doesn't say, hey, the kind of God I am, come to me so that you can experience my bitterness. No, he wants you to experience his joy. He wants you to experience his satisfaction in his son because his satisfaction in his son is the satisfaction that you and I share in. That smile that the father has when he looks to his right hand and he sees his son is the smile that he has for you and me in Christ even when we're not using our tongues well and when we engage in praise, and when we engage in expressing our hearts, and expressing gratitude and thankfulness, there is something that God has built into us that leads to pleasure. But what the fall has done is it has corrupted that design. It didn't decimate it, the design is still there. And when it's utilized in the right way, it does what God originally designed for it to do. But because of the corruption, if we use it the wrong way, it will lead us into experiencing pleasure in sin. Sinful attitudes that get expressed in sinful words. When at the end of the day, what is going on there, more than likely, was just you having a selfish moment. I don't like the way this is going. So boom, take that. Some of you do it very passive-aggressively it's still just as bad as if you do it like me, just outright aggressively. What's the word for that? I don't know, just aggression. The bottom line is, every one of us are tempted. But if you want to experience the good life, to experience here what the Lord is saying, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, Why? Because the connection between the tongue and our ethics is that they work off one another. Turn away from evil, do good. Seek peace, pursue it. The tongue can provide a way to obliterate peace. The tongue can provide a way to promote peace. And so what you are experiencing is often the reflection of the use of your tongue and if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. Now, what does the Lord tell us in these situations? You need help. And so the Lord is there. His eyes are on you. His ears are listening to you. And he knows that you're not doing great with this. And so he says, come to me. Tell me about it. That's why we just confessed our sins. That's going to God and that's telling him about our struggle it's telling him about the ways that we know we're not living up to this it's telling him about the ways that we are experiencing our own evil or we tell him about the way we're experiencing others others evil against us he wants to hear from us he says to us come to me you don't have to be perfect to come to me come to me because i already consider you perfect in my son and then let me love on you and encourage you to continue to try to embody and express Christ even in the holy and heavenly use of his speech. But the face of the Lord is against those who have no desire for any of that. When he says here, the, the Lord is against those who do evil, he doesn't mean if you don't, do, if you don't use your tongue perfectly, now you're evil, so boom. No, what he is saying is this. There are those who wrestle with goodness and evil within them because they are being sanctified. And for the person who is wrestling with that and you go to that with the Lord, he's there to receive you and love on you and be compassionate and to renew you and restore you. But if you are just okay with using your mouth however you want, if you're just okay with I don't care about trying to put any kind of of boundaries on my mouth and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to say what I want to say, Okay, that's doing evil. That's having a heart that is bent towards evil. That's having a heart that's bent towards rejection of God. That's rebellion. And So it is absolutely essential that if we want to experience the good life individually but also congregationally, the tongue absolutely has to be something that we are striving to consciously place under the lordship of jesus christ and how do we do that we use our tongues for the right things and we practice those things over and over and over that's why corporate worship is so important because we are congregationally using our tongues in the right way in order to receive the blessing from God that he promises. And this is what strengthens you to go out into the world and to continue to use your tongue in a way that reflects the heavenly identity that you have. But you will also go back out into the world and you will keep messing up. That's the reality. There will be times this coming week where you will reflect your heavenly identity in Christ in the way you use your tongue and there are going to be times this week where you will reflect the old you of who you were before Christ with the way you use your tongue. And so what do we do when we notice that's going on? We repent. We confess. We go to the Lord with it. And, beloved, you have to be realistic about this, okay? This is not pie in the sky, you have to be realistic with what you're going to the Lord with, including, Lord, it felt so good when I told that person off. You've got to be honest about that with him. Because the point here is not avoid if you avoid your negative emotions then you won't express them with your tongue. No, that's stupid. You will still be experiencing them in your heart, which means you will still be experiencing them in your interactions with God and with other people. And and you will still be experiencing them with your interactions with yourself. Be realistic. Understand that there is nothing going on within your hearts or minds or wills with regards to sin that God doesn't already know about that hasn't already been paid for in full by Christ. The reason the Lord reveals this stuff to us is not so that we learn something new or that he learns something new. It's that we come to understand just how deep the Father's love for us is by sending his Son to take our sin upon himself. You are learning the things of what Christ has done and that the Father was happy to do. As Isaiah 53 tells us, that it pleased the Lord to crush the Son. This is heavy stuff. Beloved, this is what we are called to, he says. And the calling is, includes the empowerment to give it a try, to confess when we mess up, to be renewed, and to keep going forward. And so, if we can learn to do this within ourselves, manifesting here, notice these character traits. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, humble mind. These are all things that existed within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that led them and him to act and these are the things that christ is building into us when you actively seek your sanctification in him but it also requires us to literally and conscientiously practice these things learning to think together learning to interact compassionately and empathetically Revealing a, a brotherly love that has tender hearts, humble minds. Let me tell you what's not a tender heart or a humble mind. When a fellowship of a church is characterized by people running around pointing out each other's sins, when a family is characterized by the people within the family running around pointing out each other's sins, When it's not done so, in combination with compassion and tenderness and unity of mind. One of the most difficult things that comes to me from preaching some of the things that we've been looking at here in 1 Peter, the end of 2 and the beginning of 3 so far, is that when you start giving instructions to, to wives about how they're supposed to live, the temptation is the husbands now go, Ooh, so now I know what I go to. Right? You go out into the week, your wife says something you don't like. Uh, 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 uh. Subject yourself. Right? The wife sees, oh, you're supposed to honor me. I don't like the way that you're doing this, so, uh, 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 you're not honoring. What happens is we take these commands that God gives us that are instructions that are supposed to help us embody our sanctification, and what we can do is we use those as weapons against one another rather than using them as how do I, how do I inform myself? This doesn't mean that we don't try to encourage one another to do what the scripture is saying. It just means that we don't want to be a congregation that is characterized by pointing at everyone else before we have first looked at ourselves. And whether we're looking at ourselves or whether we are looking at others, others in our family or others outside of the church, Beloved, it has to be done with tenderness and humility. Not pointing out the sins of the world so that we feel better about ourselves. Pointing out the sins of the world so that we can take them to Christ. And we can say, we understand why you're pursuing your pleasure that way. It's not going to work. Here is the way where your pleasure will find satisfaction and that is in Jesus Christ. Not, you are a horrible, wicked person because you did that. And look, there are horrible, wicked people out there. They will hear that from Christ. For now, what they need to see from us is the Christ who says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, please help us. It is exciting to be part of your people. It is exciting to have been saved in Christ. It is exciting to hear the way that you love us and how you think of us and what you are doing in us and for us and through us. But sometimes, Lord, because of that ongoing corruption of sin, we like to be titillated with sin, especially the sin of others. we get into this dopamine cycle of focusing on others' sin and finding enjoyment of it because it makes us feel better about ourselves and we just cycle through over and over and over, focusing on others' faults and forgetting our own. Lord, instead, help us and train us not to get out of the dopamine cycle, but to engage in it in the right way for the right purposes to celebrate you, to celebrate your work, to fill our hearts with joy and satisfaction so that our lives would be led to more joy and satisfaction and peace. Lord, we pray that you would help us to watch over our tongues so that we would be those who promote peace, especially right now in a world that is racked by legalistic condemnation not just from those in the church towards those who are outside the church but lord what we are experiencing now those outside the church against those who are in our culture is shifting it is changing we are no longer the moral majority and it is hard lord for us to hear the hard things that are being said about us Help us to practice such a consistent practice of worship and celebration and prayer that we will be in a position to receive that bruising and to respond with blessing, not only because of the blessing that you have already given us in Christ, but that blessing of also experiencing more of you by manifesting our suffering Savior. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.